Hey guys, just before we get started, I wanted to kind of put a swear warning because I realize I do in fact swear a lot and I just kind of want to make sure if any kitties are listening that uh, you should probably stop now if unless you're a mature child. And also I'd like to say, uh, sorry mom, <laughs> let's get started with the episode. Long may she reign. Presented to you by Aidan Fitzgerald. Okay, I want you guys to imagine that there was a pop opening sound at the start of this episode because I accidentally opened up my pop uh, before I started recording and I didn't think about it until now. But I'm not going to pop another pop for the sake of this intro. So, uh... We'll pretend that was real. Uh, hey guys, welcome back to the Long Mishy Rain podcast. I'm Aiden. I'm your host of this podcast. Uh, so, oh, what's been going on in my life lately? Oh, oh, I went thrifting this weekend. That was really, really fun. Um, I don't get to throw, go thrifting a lot, so that was super fun. I bought a whole bunch of really cool stuff. I'm not going to tell you about all of them because that would take forever. I bought a lot of stuff. Uh, but there's one particular thing that I'm super attached to. I bought this kind of like light jacket. It's a very light jacket, something you'd probably like wear in the fall just as it's starting to get cold or, you know, as as spring is coming. I guess that's probably why I bought it. It's this like patchwork jacket and it's got these little little tiny embroidered horsies on it. And I know that it's it's like a total like horse girl outfit, but like I'm kind of obsessed with it. Like it's like really cute and I'm gonna like wear it forever now. Uh, I also bought this like necklace. It's like a real like craft fair sort of necklace and I got it for like three bucks. It's like this piece of sea glass wrapped in some like copper like uh, uh, wire and then it's like hung on like a ribbon like it's like very bohemian I sort of love it and I'm sort of obsessed with it I'm gonna wear it everywhere now because it's like really cute I should put like pictures of these on Twitter they're like some really great finds but you guys aren't here to hear about that you are here to hear about our black woman of black history month I'm so sorry I didn't get to do two women for black history month but you know, when I plan these out in advance, sometimes I don't look at the calendar and then I've like already got my lineup going and I'm sorry, it was an accident. I'm going to try again next year to actually do two Black Women for Black History Month. But today we're talking about Empress Zudeyatu of Ethiopia. Now, um, I hadn't heard of her before I started researching her. Um, I actually found her on accident. Um, when I'm looking for new women to put on my gigantic gigantic master list of uh, women that I want to do on my show, sometimes I just, like, go into the Wikipedia pages of certain, like, monarchies that I've heard of and just, like, look and see if they've ever had a female ruler, and I looked at Ethiopia's, and sure enough, one woman has ruled Ethiopia in, like, the centuries that their monarchy used to exist and that was the day too so i hope you guys are excited to learn about her i know i am she's actually pretty cool uh let's get into it Okay, friends, now Empress Zudeatu of Ethiopia was born on the 29th of April, 1876, in the region of Wallo in the Ethiopian Empire, to the future Emperor Menelaic II of Ethiopia and his companion, Lady Abachi of Wallo. Now, of course, being born on the 29th of April makes her a Taurus. Now, I th- I'm not sure about this. I'm going to have to 
check my notes later. But I'm pretty sure the only women we've done on the show that have been Tauruses are like Phyllis Wheatley, maybe, and Isabella Castile, for sure. So uh, definitely an interesting mix of women in this group. Um, I don't really know a lot about Tauruses, uh, but here's what I can tell you from the little bit of research that I've done on Tauruses. Uh, Taurus women tend to be very emotionally strong, independent, and loyal, which I, I say fits Zudea too pretty well. Uh, all I've read so far is that she had good, strong relationships with pretty much everyone she met, especially her, well, certain family members, and that people just, like, really seem to love her on sight. However, that doesn't mean, uh, she wasn't a pushover. Uh, sorry, that doesn't mean she was a pushover. She was, uh, pretty independent in asserting her opinion, which didn't exactly go over well all the time, but we'll talk about that later. But first, let's meet her family, especially, um, her very biblical, in a sense, family, uh, because day two is from the House of Solomon. Uh, now, Z's family, the House of Solomon, started ruling Ethiopia in about the year 1270 when uh, Yekunko Amalek overthrew the last ruler of the Zagwe dynasty at the Battle of Ansata. I'm so sorry, I'm probably mispronouncing these terribly. I'm literally just guessing. Now, the House of Solomon claimed to be descended from biblical King Solomon and his wife, Queen Sheba, which in turn made them descendants of uh, the biblical King David, not to mention uh, they also claimed descent from the royal house that came before the one they overthrew in Ethiopia, just, you know, to give themselves a little extra legitimacy when they took over Ethiopia. Now, the Solomaic dynasty would end up ruling from the uh, 1200s all the way to the 1970s, and um, these guys just were steeped in Ethiopian Orthodox style, which is actually really cool, by the way. While I was researching this, I got to look at so many paintings and portraits of rulers from this dynasty that Z is a part of, and they gone. They are just dripping in style. Like, they look good, and I think they know they look good. Um, actually, Ethiopian culture was, like, pretty alien to me, because it's a place I don't really know a lot about, um, but it's, like, really colorful and beautiful. Um, Ethiopian, Ethiopian people seem to be very pious people, and actually, uh, believe it or not, Ethiopia embraced Christianity before Europe did, which I, I didn't know. That's really crazy. Uh, not to mention, uh, I found out in Ethiopia, they tend to eat their food with their hands, uh, much like some of their close neighbors in India. A lot of people in India, I've uh, heard, eat a lot of their dishes with their hands, and apparently so do Ethiopians. Um, also, Ethiopian traditional clothing is just so pretty. It's got, like, all this cool embroidery and, like, jewels and stuff. Like, I'm low-key obsessed. It's really cute. Now, uh, speaking of growing up in this culture, let's talk about Z's parents and her upbringing. Now, Z and her mom's relationship is a little complicated because it doesn't seem like she really had much of a relationship with her mother. Um, her mom was not married to her dad. At least I don't think so. Um, it appears that Z's mom had a fling with Z's dad and just, like, kind of straight up left a few years into Z's life. And because of that, we don't really know much about her mother other than that she was a noblewoman from northern Ethiopia. She had a fling with Menelik and that's it. Now, because of her mother's ab absence, she was raised at the Ethiopian court with her brother Asfa, who uh, died when they were kids, and her sister Shewa, uh, who will be a little more important later, so just like pin Shewa on like, the back of your mind. She's, she's going to be important later. Now, even though Z didn't have her biological mother around, she had no shortage of stepmoms to, you know, have a relationship. 
worked with. Um, at first, she was raised by her uh, first stepmom, Bafana, uh, but she didn't really last very long. And then by her next uh, stepmom, Teatu Betul, uh, who I think had more of an impact on Z's life. She was definitely around longer. Uh, Teatu Betul was a noblewoman who had been married like four times by the time she became Z's stepmom. Uh, Menelik was her fifth husband. Um, and pretty much every husband that Teatu Betal had had was, like, worse than the last one. And I don't think Z's dad, Menelik, was much better in terms of the men she had been married to. Um, all in all, Teatu Betal set a lot of good examples for Z that she would kind of take to heart when she eventually became em Empress, such as Teatu's uh, piety, her kindness, uh, her strong character. So I think Z had a really good role model in her stepmother, which is really great. Everyone needs a good role model when they're growing up. Now, uh, speaking of role models and parents, let's talk about Z's dad, because he is... He's interesting, to say the least. Um, her dad, Menelik, was born the son of a minor Ethiopian prince and a palace servant, and was low-key abandoned by his father and raised by, you know, staff. Um, over the years, Menelik became more and more ambitious, and he showed it by capturing the region of Shewa and uh, became king there. However, he was... Um, still under the emperor's rule. He was, like, king in, like, name in Shewa, but, like, he was still under the emperor's rule. It's, like, a really complicated thing. Um, Menelik's relationship with the, like, main monarchy was a little rocky, to say the least. Uh, Menelik had a much better claim to the imperial throne than the current emperor at the time, Johannes IV, because Menelik came from, like, an unbroken line of men in the Salamaic dynasty. Um, in contrast, the emperor at the time came from a mostly female line, so Menelik was like, I'm better than you. <laughs> now, even though Menelik was publicly vying for the throne, he, um, was sneaking around uh, Emperor Johannes to force back and establishing his support by having uh, like these like meet and greet mixers with locals in Ethiopia and like securing friendships with uh, Ethiopia's actually sizable mu Muslim population. Not to mention uh, getting cozy with the French and Italians who had weapons to provide to his cause. Now Menelik was often described as, and this is like an actual quote I found, uh, he had the curiosity of a boy, uh, the least thing made an impression on him. He showed great intelligence and great mechanical ability. Menelik spoke with great econo economy and rapidity. Uh, he never became upset, listening calmly and judici judiciously and with good sense. He is fatalistic and a good soldier. He loves weapons above all else, which I think is an interesting way to describe him. Um, all in all, Menelik was savvy, uh, good at his job, astute politician, very smart. Uh, not to mention that Z was actually probably his favorite child, and they were incredibly close, like, their entire lives, and I'm really glad she seemed to have, like, such a good dad, like, even though Menelik didn't really seem to be overall a good husband or, like, a good partner, but he was, like, a pretty, like, stand-up dad, so I'll, I'll I'll, I'll give that to him. Now, as for Z's education, we uh, really don't know much about it. We can assume that she had the ability to read and write, and that she probably had a pretty good religious education, because she was ride or die 
for fucking Jesus her entire life. Um, she may have also learned chess and poetry from her stepmom because I were I read that uh, Teatu Beitol was like really into chess and poetry. So like maybe her stepmom was like, "Hey kid, read this sonnet from Shakespeare or something," you know. Um, in general. She probably wouldn't have had the best education in the world. Um, Ethiopia is an exceptionally conservative country. It was back then, and it, as I've read, it still is now. Uh, women weren't always treated the best and are often undervalued, but we'll get into that more in a second uh, before we move on. Um, let's talk about her looks. Now, luckily, Z lived in an age where photography was a thing, so we know what she looked like, and she was, in fact, pretty in my opinion. Uh, she's got this, like, really nice long hair, sick bone structure, low-key jealous, and basically every photo she's in, she's wearing the most, like, gorgeous fucking outfit you've ever seen. Like, like I said, I've become perpetually obsessed with Ethiopian traditional clothing, and she's wearing it a lot in every photograph I've seen of her. Um, my favorite photo of her is actually, from what I assume is her coronation photo, uh, she's wearing, like, all the, like, trappings of Ethiopian royalty. She's got this big Ethiopian crown, which is, like, really, really tall, and, like, this, like, embroidered, bejeweled robe. Um, and despite being, like, an adult woman when she became, uh, empress, like, her, like, coronation robes make her look so tiny next to her husband. It's, like, so cute. She's, like, overwhelmed by, like, all this clothing. It's, like, kind of fun. Um, and she's also, uh, next to her husband in her photo. Uh, speaking of husbands, let's talk about the, uh, shit show that her first marriage was. I hope you guys are ready for this one, because I don't think you are. Okay, now, before we talk about her first marriage, let's get a little context about why she had to get married in the first place. Now, as mentioned before, Z's dad was ambitious and always stirring up trouble. Uh, now, at one point, in order to play nice with the emperor, uh, he decided to recognize the emperor's rule in exchange for a marriage between Z and the emperor's son and heir, uh, Arya Silesi Johannes. Uh, we'll call him Arya for short, um because I'm not calling him those three names this entire time, because he's not going to be here for very long. Um, now, Z was anywhere from six or ten when she married her husband, who was in his mid-teens. Uh, he was about 15, maybe. And you may think, uh, wow, gross, she got married at six? Um, if this shocks you, uh, hi, welcome to the podcast where we talk about child brides a lot. Um, <laughs> now, unfortunately... Ethiopia, both in past and present, I believe they still practice this, uh, child marriages are a thing and are really a part of the culture. Uh, it's, it's just a thing that happens. It's really sad. Um, pretty much all I can tell you about C's first husband is that he was the only legitimate child of Emperor Johannes IV, and on paper he seemed like he might make a very good emperor one day, but uh, in terms of actual husband material, uh, pfft, very bad. Although I can't blame him for not wanting to hang out with his six-year-old wife uh, at 15. I mean, at 15, I wasn't interested in talking to small children. <laughs> um, he ignored her. Uh, at one point, he fathered a bastard child outside of their marriage. So, it's it's safe to say the marriage didn't exactly go as planned. Um, especially since, like, the minute Z was married to Arya, um, Z's dad was once again causing the emperor problems, so I'm sure that probably ru ruined the relationship with the in-laws. Like, you're not really gonna like your daughter-in-law when her dad's causing 
problems. Now, in uh, 1888, after a few years of marriage, uh, Prince Arya died while out trying to gather an army for his dad. I assume in an attempt to fight Z's dad, or maybe something else was going on. I, I couldn't find why he was going to gather an army, but he was gathering an army for something. Uh, either way, uh, poor guy died of smallpox, actually, and now Z was a 12-year-old widow and ready to mingle. Oh, that kind of rhymes. I like that. <laughs> now, um, in good news, Z seemed to have made a very good impression in the Ethiopian court, and on her father-in-law, actually, even though her, uh, dad was literally waging a war against the crown, uh, the emperor sent Z home with a huge gift of cattle as a present, so she must have been doing something right, because, you know, cows. Woo! Now, uh, just a year later, in 1889, Emperor Johannes died in battle fighting the Sudanese, and Z's dad, Menelik, was like, Oh my god, my time has come, and raced his ass to the capital, where he was officially proclaimed Emperor Menelik II. Now, I'm not gonna go through uh, Z's dad's whole, whole reign. After all, uh, it was like 20, it's about like 20 years of content that has like nothing to do with Z. I mean, she was there. Um, but I think, I still think it's important to talk about some of the things he did, because Menelik II was kind of like, he's considered, like, the founder of modern Ethiopia. Well, at least, like, he got the ball rolling on modern Ethiopia. Now, Menelik was the first emperor to properly centralize Ethiopia by embracing uh, territories with a history of revolt and stopping petty feuds between regions, which significantly reduced the constant fighting that other emperors had been dealing with uh, daily. Um, it's also important to note that Ethiopia was one of the only African countries to not have been conquered in any way by Europeans, but, like, not for lack of trying on the Europeans' part. It's not like they were like, let's let's skip Ethiopia. <laughs> it was just Ethiopians were really good at keeping the Europeans out. Um, for example, the Italians were, at the time, currently uh, camped out in Atreya, uh, slowly trying to, like, dig in at uh, Ethiopian sovereignty. Uh, regardless, Menelik wasn't having it with them, especially when they tricked him with a treaty trying to get more power from themselves. Now, Menelik ended up um, absolutely crushing the shit out of, <laughs> out of Italian forces at several battles during their attempted invasion. And Honestly, he could have taken the country of, of Eritrea if he wanted, but chose peace instead. Uh, not to mention Menelik helped abolish uh, the slave trade that was still low-key going on in the area. And I think for Z, even though she like didn't know she would be empress at this time, uh, seeing a strong leader like that m must have been like a guiding force for her when she became monarch, despite the fact that she and her dad were like very different rulers in terms of ruling styles, but like if if I was gonna become empress suddenly and I was looking for a role model, I'd looked him in the leg. Like, man got shit done. He knew what was up, you know? Now, during Z's time as the eldest daughter of the emperor, she was married two more times in the hopes that she might produce a grandson to succeed her dad. But these marriages were so brief and produced no children that we don't even know these guys' names. Um... However, we, we do know more about her last husband because uh, he was her ruling partner when she ascended the throne. Uh, now, his name is Guxa Wele, but we're going to call him Guxa. <laughs> um, it's pretty likely that Z would have known Guxa since she was a kid. After all, he was a nephew of Z's stepmom, um, and they were close, so I assume that she must have known Guxa at some point in her life. 
before they got married, you know? Now, even though this marriage was politically arranged by Z's stepmother in the hopes that Z and Gugsa would become uh, rulers after Menelik died instead of Z's nephew, uh, the marriage seems to have been very happy. Uh, from what I read about Gugsa, he was a pretty sh shrewd politician. Uh, he wanted to exercise power the best he could, but I think he was actually a good match for Z since, like, as a ruler, she wasn't, like, raising armies or, like, navigating politics. So having someone like Guxa, like, in her corner was definitely, like, a good, like, setup for her. Like, gotta give it to Z's stepmom for, like, setting this up for her. Like, I mean, her, her stepmom was definitely interested in the power of having her nephew on the throne beside her stepdaughter, but, like, also, like, he, he was a good tool for, for Z. Now, um, about... 13 or so years into Z and Gugsa's marriage, uh, their world was turned out upside down uh, when uh, Z's dad Menelaic died from long-term complications of a stroke he had had a decade previously. Now, uh, the official succession as mandated by Z's dad was that his grandson, uh, Aiyasu, I think that's how you pronounce that, it's A-Y-A-S-U, I assume, uh, would succeed him, and that's what everyone was prepared for when Menelaic died, but very quickly, the Ethiopian nobility began to really not like Ayesu. Now, according to what I read, Ayesu began displaying, um, well, borderline unstable behavior. Um, he often insulted the nobility who had been put in place by his grandfather to help him because... I assume was a teenager. Uh, not to mention, uh, there were some mildly uh, convincing rumors that he had converted to Islam and that he wanted to convert the entire country to Islam, which would have been horrifying for Ethiopia because they're Orthodox Christians. And that's terrifying for them if their emperor is uh, Muslim. Now, since Ayesu hadn't officially been crowned, the nobility figured it wasn't too late to replace him, and started shopping around the royal family for fucking someone to replace him. Someone. Anyone. By the way, I have to mention that Ayesu was, um, Z's sister's son. That's why she becomes important. Uh, anyway, uh, and Z was one of the first names to come to mind for the uh, Ethiopian nobility when they were trying to figure out who would replace this guy. Now, at this time, Z and her husband had been sent into exile by her uh, nephew because he perceived her as a threat to his rule because of her popularity, and I guess his fears were founded because in September of 1916, the Ethiopian nobility put together an army and started taking cities in the name of Z, even though she wasn't involved and hadn't agreed to anything yet. Um, when they captured the capital, they proclaimed Ayesu uh, the uh, deposed for uh, conversion to Islam and proclaimed Z as their new empress. Now, Z from her little corner of exile was deeply upset at this because, for one, she hadn't agreed to be empress and asked her, and she also thought it was really wrong for her to take the throne because that's her nephew, even though he had, like, treated her abys abysmally at this point. She was like, I can't take his throne. It's not mine. But she also knew she, like, had a responsibility to the throne, and she, she took that responsibility very seriously. She realized if 
she didn't take it, like, there would be chaos. So, on the 27th of September 1916, at the age of 40, she was officially crowned as Ethiopia's first and only ruling empress. Uh, Aisu actually ended up starting a rebellion, because, like, obviously, like, he really liked that throne, um, to take back the throne, which uh, failed horribly. But uh, Z decided to make sure that he wasn't killed and had him exiled in instead, where he lived in luxury until he was maybe possibly assassinated in the 1930s we're not really sure what happened there but the point is he dies um now when z took the throne she was definitely not in control um after all the nobility had put her there without even asking her so they took full control and used her as like a puppet queen in a lot of ways um as i mentioned before z's husband was uh forced to be reckoned with the nobility knew that he was probably going to be dangerous. So in order to limit his influence on our new empress, he was sent away to a remote part of Ethiopia as a governor where the uh, married couple really couldn't contact each other. That sucks. Uh, this really upset Z because she, you know, loved her husband and now had no one to support her because uh, her nephew's gone. Her sister, I think, was dead at this point. Um... Our older brother died decades ago, and now her dad was dead. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> the nobility also uh, took the initiative to appoint her an heir because Z and her husband's kids had, like, all been stillborn. She hadn't had any live births, so she had no direct heir. Uh, the nobility selected Z's second cousin. Uh, oh, I'm going to mispronounce this so bad. Highly says. Selslasi? Mm, that was, like, really bad. I'm so sorry if anyone from Ethiopia is listening, or in general, if you really just hate how I talk. I don't know how to pronounce that. I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, that guy, uh, as her successor, and also her regent, who, uh, ruled on her behalf, even though she was a grown 40-year-old woman, and the empress, uh, they actually had him come in and act as her regent, even though she wasn't underage or incapacitated or anything. Can you imagine being 40 years old and having, like, someone who's in their 20s fucking come and boss you around? Anyway. Um, now, even though her nobility was trying to silence her, she tried her best to rule in the way she wanted by promoting her traditionalist values through the building of churches and other public works. Now, this clashed with uh, her nobility and her heir, who wanted a more progressive and westernized monarchy. But Z wasn't really into this whole vision. Uh, Z was a very religious lady. She valued her traditional culture, which I, I admire a lot. However, I also wish she had been more open to the idea of modernizing Ethiopia like her father had tried to do. Um, also, one side note about her reign that I thought was actually really interesting is despite the fact that she had very little personal power for a lot of her reign, uh, she was insistent on her reign emulating Queen Victoria, who she had greatly admired as a little girl. Um, I mean, this makes sense, I, I suppose, despite the fact that we think of, like, Victoria as this, like, strong, powerful, take-no-shit-no-ruler uh, she was also a pretty big traditionalist, so I think, I think it makes sense that Z would, one, be really interested in preserving her traditional culture, and she was actually very conservative, uh, and it makes sense that Z would also admire, uh, Queen Victoria, who was a little bit of a prude, honestly. Um, now, even though Z ruled for, oh, what was it, close to, like, 15 years, Irene is actually kind of boring. <laughs> As I said, she, she really couldn't do anything, because, like, her nobility was, like, trying to drive the ship. Um, slavery was abolished under her reign, which is really great. Um, but that was, like, more the work of her heir. 
uh, who also convinced her it was a good idea to admit Ethiopia into the League of Nations following World War One, which uh, BTW, if you don't know, uh, the League of Nations kind of like the precursor to the United Nations, um, and it failed miserably. Um, now, Z didn't fight in any wars or really make a lot of policy, really, at all. All she did was build churches and pray, like, a lot, which, like, isn't a bad thing, but I wish she'd been able to do more. Or, at the very least, had, like, in internalized her dad's version of modern Ethiopia rather than looking to the past for inspiration or if she like maybe hadn't been like being told what to do by a whole bunch of men maybe she actually could have like done something interesting it's really sad that her reign is actually kind of boring like she because she's like such an interesting person and also there's just not a lot of primary sources or like a lot of information about her you guys have no idea how freaking hard it was to <laughs> research for this episode like there ain't shit there's ton about her successor uh the guy whose name i can't pronounce but there's like zilch about her anyway now by the 1930s z had been ruling ethiopia for about 15 years and as time went by she decided to hand over more power to her heir and focus on her religious charity which was super positive for her heir but very negative for uh her husband uh now, poor Gugsa had been, like, broading in his governing position up north for, like, a decade and a half, never being able to talk to his wife or promote his ideas. So he decided enough was enough and raised an army to, like, basically, like, save his, basically, like, hostaged wife. Hostaged isn't a word. Anyway, um, unfortunately for him, a day later, Imperial troops uh, intercepted that uh, very nice invasion force that he had raised, and uh, he was super-duper kilt on March 31st, 1930. Uh, not too long after hearing that her husband died, Z got very, very sick. It was a very distressing time for her to lose her husband, and she herself ended up dying on April 2nd, 1930. Now, according to most things I read, it said that she died from the shock of losing her beloved husband, or that at the time she might have been sick with typhoid fever, and that, like, losing her husband was just kind of, like, you know, more fuel to her sickness fire, you know? Um, however, this is kind of interesting. Other things I have read suggested that her heir got sick of waiting for her to die so he could take full power and decided to poison her quietly. Um, honestly, I don't know, like, which one of these theories to believe, but the poison theory is kind of growing on me, like, who knows, like, her heir was, like, <coughs> a pretty precocious and ambitious dude, so I can totally see him just, like, quietly poisoning her and, like, attributing, attributing, attributing her death to, like, grief rather than poison. Anyway, Z was succeeded by her cousin, highly sus. <laughs> I can't pronounce it. I'm so sorry. I should have looked this up phonetically. Um, anyway, this guy, whose name I can't pronounce, uh, he is by far probably one of the most famous Ethiopian monarchs in world history. Uh, he modernized Ethiopia through the creation of a constitution, um, and his leading role in getting Ethiopia more globalized, such as joining the United Nations post-World War II. However, he has also been criticized by some for being a very autocratic ruler, and, uh, human rights under his reign were, like, super not 
supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, you know? Um, he was deposed briefly during World War II, actually, by the Italians, but uh, was able to return to power until the 1970s, where he was deposed in military coup because people really didn't like him, and he died in prison. Woo! <laughs> now, uh, many of his children and grandchildren are actually still alive, and, um, still make claims of the defunct Ethiopian throne, but I'm, I, I don't see them getting that back very soon. Um, okay, legacy, getting the legacy. Now, even though uh, Zodaya II didn't uh, get to do too much while she was empress of Ethiopia for 15 years, uh, for a country that resisted female leadership and participation in government for so long, she's still a really cool example of a ruling female empress from the 20th century. Um, it's actually cool to think, I was actually thinking about this yesterday, that my grandfather was a teenager when she was ruling Ethiopia, and, like, how much change she must have seen in, like, her, her 50 or so years of life. Like, it, it's pretty crazy that she was born in, like, the 1870s and then, like, died in the 30s. Like, that's a lot of change to see in, like, a, a fairly short life into her 50s. Now, uh, she may not be as well-known as the person who succeeded her, but I think uh, more interest should be put into studying her and her reign because I would honestly, like, love to know more about her and what things she actually, like, tried to do as Empress. Now, thank you guys so much for joining me. I hope you have a very good Black History Month. Uh, I will see you guys in two weeks with a new episode. Goodbye! Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you have any suggestions for topics, you can just DM me on Twitter at LongMaceyRain2. The N at the end of rain is replaced with a 2 instead. I'm also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and like a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, don't forget to rate and review this podcast on all those platforms. It really actually does help the show so much and it will help me grow my audience. So I would absolutely appreciate it if you you guys could do that. All right. Uh, bye.